1: This is the fleet of Crystal Palace Labos. We have some special guests to help us dissect the game and discuss the incomings and outgoings in the transfer window. This is the Wise Men say podcast. The ancient Greek fabulist, storyteller and philosopher Aesop is credited with saying... Wise men say nothing in troubled times. Gareth and I have always maintained that despite the name of the podcast, we aren't all that wise, so we will still be bringing you our words of wisdom. Well, you know what I mean. It's <laughs> we've gone in these troubled times. It, should we all just calm down with three games in the season? We have Kristen Henege from ESPN and the New York Times here, and we have Martin McFadden, editor of The Love Supreme, of course, are there joining us in the studio to go over the <laughs> topics. The inquest. The inquest. We call it an inquest already you both okay boys i'm not dressed nearly smart enough for an inquest i'm <laughs> <laughs> no, good thanks yeah good to have you both along crystal palace we can't really um we can't really put this off any longer gareth <laughs> we've got to talk about this three games in this is this is how bad is it um because because l- let's be fair some people have, pre- have pressed the panic button which you know being a summon fan that comes hand in hand but if people suddenly start thinking that that performance was worse than last season then they'd be wrong wouldn't they because last season we had some bad games Reading QPR away Norwich first half but it was pretty poor as well wasn't
2: it yeah (laughs) I thought you know what it is though at times I thought we actually looked okay and then
1: we still look more purposeful than under Martin and and then then, we did
2: we just go and give away the goals that we gave away and it's it just compounds it doesn't it if you don't take your chances and you played badly for 50% of a football match, you know, if you pay a battery for 50% of a football match, you take your chances, don't duck out the way of three headers in the six-yard box and and the like, then, you know, you you probably would be mourning as much, would you? Mm,
1: Centre-midfield, Martin, was the issue again. Did you think at the end of last season, the way everybody was talking, that we would still be, that would still be our problematic area? Our centre-midfield...
0: That still the same players would still be playing this season? Well if you told me that we were gonna sign fourteen players in between then I would I would hope not, you know. But um I mean we the central midfield partnership we had at Palace was was like weaker than anything we had last year. Exactly, and I think yeah. I think that's what you're gonna get with De Canio where you were saying that, you know, we, we looked alright and we will look alright going forward, but we don't look like we do any work on the defence and you know, we can't win five four every week, especially when we're not scoring goals and I think that's I think that's the problem for me. The goals have conceded from set pieces, um, which is pretty much all the goals, apart from the last one, at Palace, have, have have come from have come from dead ball situations. And obviously, you can't defend a penalty, but the other three were just were just terrible, you know. Um, and to be fair,
1: the manager, in sort of defender should be coping with those things better, shouldn't mm, I mean, they? Have you worked at how much
0: money we've spent on the defence this transfer window? Well. no. If you include selling the keeper to Liverpool, we're talking about minus ten million really? <laughs> because we haven't bought any defenders. They're all like loans or mm-hmm. frees, and we've sold our best defender. If you if you include like the goalkeeper as part of the as part of the defense, um, so I think I think under Decanio we will attack more, but we need to learn to defend as well, mm-hmm. which which we haven't so far. And obviously we had that. What was seen as like an easy three games, and I realise there's no easy games, but. I've looked through the fixtures, and there isn't another three games where we don't face like one of the top teams. Um, <laughs> and obviously, the run of home games we've got coming up now—it's you know—it's. I think that we should have looked at the start of the season and thought, well, we need to get like at least six points from these three games, um, and have the team ready for the start of the season.
1: Are you, are you surprised by the start we've had, Christian?
3: I was surprised by the Fulham game. Um, the Palace one, I think you've, you've got to remember to a degree, it's not just the players that are naive to the Premier League, the manager is as well. And I think that showed the fact he left
1: Cabral out. Um, is again, that, is that what? Is there something more we don't know about? I, I don't
3: think so. I, I, again, I, I don't think so. It would have to be something crazy like ice in his coke or some <laughs> like, extra sauce on his chips. I don't know. But I, I think that really he's been a little bit too ambitious with what he can get from these players maybe I'm being slightly defeatist I think it needs to be a lot more shored up and it needs to be 4-3-3 away from home and something that gives you a stability where it's really hard to break you down um, When if you watched Palace particularly against Stoke uh, Dwight Gale caused a lot of problem for Stoke's backline with his pace and they were quite big, bulking chaps a, a bit like the Sunderland backline at present and I think that he was a little bit naive not to be aware of that and not to, to instruct the likes of O'Shea look, don't don't mess around don't take time on it just be assured
1: and make sure it's away from our defence as quickly as possible which certainly wasn't the case for the penalty um, Gareth Christens just mentioned playing 4-3-3 away from home there something I was like a broken record last season mm-hmm. seeing that Martin O'Neill stuck to his philosophies he didn't have the players who can play in a midfield pair I was like a broken record I'm sick of saying it why doesn't he play a midfield of three why doesn't he play a midfield three we're going down the same route with Paolo now aren't we um, to an extent, if he's <coughs> not going to play a crook ball, obviously keys come in. Going off the three games that's just preceded us.
2: Yeah, I, I think I'd be a bit more worried about playing the midfield three if it was Larson, Gardner, and Vaughan. Um, to be honest, I, now, I understand, but it, if you know, I mean, if you're
1: getting sliced through like, but uh, off, from you know, off sides like Crystal Palace, I d- I d- like Chris said, you need you need to shore up your midfield a little I wouldn't bit. say three of, players, three of those players, three of those players are better though. Though. than two. I, wouldn't I thought they say looked what, like they, every time they went forward through for the middle it looked like they would
2: but there were, you know you could there was parallels to our performance against Fulham there was a lot of shots from distance they didn't really create any clear cut chances till so we went down to 10 men the, they had a, a decent effort at the end but I wouldn't say exactly we were being sliced through but I think that just comes down to ball retention more than anything if you give the ball away all the time in which, at, at times, it, you know, when they had like a five-minute spell where they looked okay, they'd have a ten-minute spell where they just gave the ball away every two minutes. So it doesn't matter if you have got three in the middle, four in the middle, five in the middle. If you can't keep the ball, then it doesn't matter. And I think that was a, a fundamental problem against Crystal Palace, just being wasteful, ke- not not careful enough on the ball, um, and that that was disappointing, really. Like kind of Vaughan. <laughs> He's kind of it. It doesn't look as good as he did last year, and he was okay last year. But he just seems to have lost something a little bit. And I quite like. I actually Larson I think, has been okay, but this season, but I don't think he's been given the right, the right partner. Um, I think well, Cabral opening day was pretty good, and then he's been, you know, jettison. But it was funny talking about midfield options. We were saying now, if Vaughan and Larsen was two main midfielders how he wants to pick. And then you pick Gardner ahead of Cabral, there's three. Mm. Then keys come in. Went straight out. He, he's he got a thing he's got a groin problem, has he? Or they never announced any never. injury. So then you've got Key's come in mm. and then we've signed a left back, which means that callback's gonna go very unprofessional Stephen. That callback's <laughs> gonna go into a midfield option. That's and he likes callback. So is Cabral now a sixth choice central midfielder? Because he's dro- he dropped him straight away. And he's not
0: brought he's brought other people in ahead of him. Well for me, Cabral's the best midfielder yeah. we've got, you know, and I think it's plain that there's obviously something going on, you know. Because we had a we had a couple of letters in this week, sort of well, we had lots of letters, but we had two defending De and someone was saying, Oh well, you know, it's it's G's fault for missing that header and it's Barsi's fault for this and it's Sessa's fault. But like all this letter really highlighted was to me the amount of people and personnel that Decanio has already fallen out with. Mm. Or ostracised, you know, and I don't agree with the public outbursts. Like I know it's kind of refreshing in a way to slag the players off publicly because we do it as fans, but you know it just doesn't happen in football. And if it, you know if the revolution eventually works, then everyone will say, "Oh well, Paolo Di has changed the face of the game by publicly lambasting these players," but they won't play any better for that. Mm-hmm. You know, find me a footballer who plays better. You know, slag them off in the dressing room and then go in and do the thing with the press. You know, maybe it's because he can't take the blame himself. But the Cabral thing is very confusing because every, he's the player that we've needed for a long mm. time. He's the replacement for Catamol, and Catamol's not match fit, but he's he's capable of playing. So he could have played Catamol on Saturday as well. But by playing Vaughan and Larson, <coughs> he may as well have just let them walk through the mm. middle of the pitch. Well, actually, that's what they did. I think Larson with the right partner. Fair enough, but well, not more than three. Mm-hmm. You know, Larson's not a central midfielder. Talk mm-hmm.
1: about lambasting the players. Uh, Gareth Tekanyo after the game. He's, I think he's been very clever with who he who he criticises because it's the same with Phil Barzy. I made a point last season that I thought he, he, Phil Barzy was quite a safe player that he could make uh, an example of. Now, players. He's he's on a and nothing in a way because fans, like Martins just said, like their players manages to come out and criticise the team sometimes in the fact that had he came out and said we were great nothing against my players everybody would have then said he should be coming out and criticising the players now he's chosen G and O'Shea to pick he knows he can get away with G because he's public enemy number one with the fans at the moment so he knows that people aren't going to criticise him for that and with John O'Shea I think he feels John O'Shea is on his side anyway nobody will be more disappointed than John O'Shea with the mistake he made that could be like water for ducks back to him. Do you think he's been quite selective in in who he criticises? I think
2: with G, I think he's he probably feels like G's let him down because he's backed him publicly, turned big money down for him, give him his opportunity, and he's let him down. And to let if you play badly and you make mistakes, that's fine. But to do what G did at the weekend is, I think it's just unbelievable for a professional footballer. A striker. If you're a striker, why mm. don't you want to head that ball? I've
0: I've looked at the I've looked at it a lot of times, you know, and um, I th- like there's no excuse because it was terrible. And if you did it in five aside, yeah. you'd like your yeah. mates would laugh at you. But um, although the ball probably wouldn't be in the air, but you know what I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and you wouldn't be allowed in the box. So <laughs> Six aside. <laughs> I think he was in he was in two minds as to what you know where to take it because it was at a funny height. Mm. If I'm forgiving him, but let's face it, G's not that great, you know, and he was only ever going to be like fifth choice mm. striker. Um, and the the strike force we started with, you know, he he he, he could have done some di- he could have done some sort of different things tactically, you know. He could have put Johnson playing off Wickham, um, you know, like he, he knew that Fletcher was going to come on at, at some point. So he could have started with Fletcher and taken him after after an hour, or or tried out with Johnston. Um, I mean, I think tactically there's a number of things that are just that have got naive stamped all over them. Apart from the fact we've got so many players with no Premiership. Mm. Experience and the whole sort of coaching staff with no premiership experience, and it was always going to be difficult. You know, I think one of the major errors is only having three pre-season games. In my 25 years, like doing this job and following Sunderland all my life, I've never known us have have less than half a dozen friendlies. And when McCarthy brought 12 new players in, we had nine friendlies. We did Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday, so everyone got a game. And I don't think he knows enough about... About his players because he's concentrated on fitness, which fair enough worked against MK Dons, but it should do against a lower league team anyway. Uh, we didn't look particularly fit on Saturday against Palace, and I think he's you know he's chopped and changed so many things already, like bringing in Rebs and then dropping him after one mistake. You know, there's, n- there's there's quite often no like players on the posts, you know, which is why some of those goals have gone in as well. It's just <clears throat> there's just so many things wrong. Um, and obviously, because we've had such a poor start, we're already in it. I mean, I think Palace will finish bottom of the league, and the and they've beaten us three one.
1: This is Sunderland after all. Yeah.
2: I think it's interesting, you know, with the, with the kind of like tactically like you say, like our shape at the back end of ex- last season was much better than it is now. We we're much solid, much more solid. Um, Organised, we do seem a bit ragged. I think when mm. when you watch it and so interesting you're talking about that we we conceded any goals from said pieces last season, then we conceded two or three at the back end of last season, um, and we've conceded a lot at the start of this season. I, I just I really dislike man to man. It makes I think you, I think it, I, I think you should mark zonally and attack the ball. That's I all you got to do. Head the ball away when it's in the air. It do- doesn't matter where you know getting. Robert's getting he didn't even have a run at him when he conceded that goal against Fulham. He, he's just he's co- you concentrate on blotting people off and doing this. Just mm. head the ball. And if you here. look at if
0: you look at some of the players, I mean, G isn't strong enough. Johnson isn't strong enough. Jaggerini isn't strong enough. Sess wasn't. So there was obviously he's gone. But there was quite a lot of players defending set mm. pieces that overall all of them like weren't weren't you know like apart from the centre halves didn't really have the strength to, to cope. I mean it's just why we weren't playing Stoke for God's sake, you know. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I know well, they changed the style. style well, he got slightly. done against
2: Stoke in last season, said mm. peace after
0: five minutes. True. I know it was it was boring under O'Neill, but he kinda you you've got to have that stability, you've got to have that backbone, you've got to have someone solid in the centre of midfield, you know, you've got to have somebody who holds the ball up front, you've got to have a defence. I mean, the main role of the full backs seems to be bombing on. Which is one of the reasons why O'Shea got caught out. Mm. You know, obviously it was his fault. But I don't know if you like I've watched the game sort of twice more as I always do. Um and a lot of the time O'Shea was like st- the the whole defence was stretched and then there was no central midfield player dropping in between them like there would be. Because the full backs were forward the whole time. And then when we lose the ball they played it straight down the channels, pulled the centre halves so out wide, massive room in the middle and then no centre midfield, because Vaughan... I mean, and he's in the post-match press conference. De Canio actually said, when you play Vaughan and Larson there, they haven't got enough energy. So who picked
1: the team? Yeah. It, that, that first came to fruition, I think, what you're talking about there. The fullbacks get, getting forward and getting caught out at Aston Villa, of course, last season, when we got beat 6-1. That was, that was alarming, you would have thought, because touching on the point where you said about the lack of pre-season games, I asked them that. And he told me that he would rather work on shape and practice, practice, practice. So you would have thought that those would have been the things he would be ironing out. In regards to the centre midfielders not being strong enough, are we doing a massive 360 here and pushing for Lee Catamol to be back in the team when he's fit?
0: Well, I think Cabral would be like the start, you know. If it's, for it's, whatever it's, reason
1: Cabral doesn't play because he because he's not playing at the moment, would, mm. would, would Catamol be the logical option?
0: Well, you know, I think if he'd had... Cabral and Gardner or Cabral and Catamol on Saturday like it would have been a completely different situation we wouldn't it. have created enough but I think if you're going to play two two out and out wingers who who like aren't workhorses let's face it then you need to keep the midfield tight when you lose the ball
1: mm. um, Kristen Martin's mentioned that we're getting caught out with the fullbacks bombing forward but you know, if you're going to be selfish, it's it's positive for Southern fans to this because we've never seen this in years. Uh, had, had G connected with our header, we're talking about, that would have been two. That would have been two goals on Saturday from crosses from fullbacks. Yeah, I th-
3: I think you know we've we've seen right at the top of the game with Barcelona and Danny Elvis is kind of the case study that you look at. Fullbacks have a, a real reliance now on, on contributing to the attack, not just defence. So I think you're seeing. Very much a rub off of the modern manager in in Dikania, wanting his fullbacks to be able to play, and the fact that Salutski can play, and he likes to put callback there now and again. Because I think for all his deficiencies, callback's actually really good technically, um, and he's he's good with his feet at least, so that he can cross a ball decent enough. I think again, when I mean, you talk about Catamol in the midfield, I just think if maybe you put Catamol and Cabral with Key in the middle you've got two Bulldogs to protect the Swan there because mm. by all accounts from Swansea fans, Key is very good technically, can
1: really pick a pass out, but his confidence is, is just lacking completely. Which possibly isn't what he needs <laughs> when when he's on his debut of 40,000 eyes are going to be looking at him to be the man to create something for well, us.
3: Well, the good thing as well is, is Key speaks uh, fluent English, which I think may be a slight problem. He's going to be on his own in the dressing room. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's <laughs> possibly part of the problem. I mean... Is that there is a lot of languages to get in there, and if you know, we've never had that experience. Well, I haven't had that experience of playing with a number of foreign uh friends or anything like that. But it's got to bring up difficulty, surely, when you're trying to give a
1: teammate instructions and he's got no idea what you're saying. We we, we were warned about the kind selection with the centre is and how significant is K going to be? Because at the moment we we'll can't second guess him and. W- Everything we're discussing at the moment regarding what's going wrong on the side, it's all stemming back to the centre of midfield area, which, you know, defensively and offensively. So with Key there, is he going to be that significant? Because we do look, in fairness, Gareth said earlier on, you know, there was parts of the game against Crystal Palace where looked alright. We do look like a couple of players away from being a decent side but they are central midfielders and they aren't just easy to pluck from the air, great centre midfielders.
3: They're not, and you've got quite a few of them already, which is perhaps the problem. Um, I, again, I just think it needs to be three in there. Key's going to be important just because of the situation that's present for him in terms of there's not many others in this squad right now who you would say, there's a creative midfielder, there's someone who will get five, 10 assists this season. It's a lot of pressure to put it's on someone it, who's lacking exactly. in confidence, which yeah. is the unfortunate mm-hmm. thing. Um, but if anyone can inspire someone I think it's Paolo Di Canio isn't it because for all the talk of him being a little bit crazy and antagonistic I also think he's got immense potential to to motivate and that's embodied by Adam Johnson who's looking a lot trimmer and a lot Mm. quicker than, than when he rocked up last season
2: so if you play three in the middle away from are you just saying play three in the middle away from home all the time because if you do that, then where are you going to get Jack Barini? Where are you going to get Johnson? Where are you going to get Fletcher? Where do you get out the door? Where does Barini
0: fit? He in? said over and over again he wants to play four four two. Four four two doesn't mean that he's going to, but like he's you know he's
1: repeated it, hasn't he? Certain games in the current situation, you might have yeah. to shroud up a little but bit. If you try and <coughs> take Arsenal on, I know you were we're saying midfield yeah. pairing of Gardner and Larsen. You're in trouble. Well, on you, <laughs> you what I'd,
2: I'd be more worried about if you went. If he has to, if Brown's not fit, unless he plays Quelard, it's Diacelli and Rabegh. Mm. Four four two, key and Raberg. It's centre half. Both and French. then if and then that's you're not going to ha- you can't play Cabral and Key then. There's no chance. You can't play Cabral, Key, Raberg and D-key in the middle then, because that's it. You're going to get absolutely torn to shreds. I think you've got to I tailor it to the opponent. In there, I, th-
3: mm. I think it, saying is this how we play at home? Is this how we play away? I think that's too broad brushstroke. Mm. You need to say okay, well, yeah. where is the strength of the opponent? Yeah is it out wide is it is in the middle the the opponents you've got coming up unfortunately their strengths are pretty much everywhere so you think right well we have to galvanise the middle we have to sh- shut off all space that's in there and stop them being able to play there and then look to break and look to be quick like you did last season that was I mean you know Newcastle 3-0 I don't really need to go into great detail with that to you but that game was because you were able to break on them so quickly mm. and catch them out that they didn't have a chance to stop you. And I think if if you're going to get success at the minute, it's going to be doing stuff like that.
1: And mm. having somebody like Steven Fletcher in the box helps. Gareth. It does, but it lifts everybody, doesn't
2: it? It does. It's interesting choices, though, selection wise. If you do play a five across the middle, essentially is what you're seeing with a four-three-three. You know who who do you pay, do you drop out? Do you put? door in there, I think outdoors probably better suited to that mm. than, than Fletcher, Fletcher's you, Fletcher's just, he really is, goal score, one chance, one mm. goal, um, so he struggled
0: when he played up front on his own yeah, last he did. year,
2: and in fairness to him, the gap between the midfield and the, the and Fletcher was just ridiculous, yeah. I mean, he'd never had a chance, there was no link there, and even though he had on, you know, and, and that's something that actually Di Canio did when he came in, were far more compact, and yes... Sesanyon played off the front, and but he was closer. That's something. You know when we're playing playing four four two anyway, though the gap, gap between the two forwards is just ridiculous. Mm. Like you can't play four four two and have a thirty yard gap between your strikers. What you know, you might as well play another man in midfield. Well, you yeah. could
3: you could change it up as well and say okay, when we're defending, we're four five one, but when we're looking to attack, Larson moves to the right, Johnson moves into the middle, mm. and then Johnson because you I think. Admittedly against MK Don's not the most stellar of opposition. There was a desire for Johnson to go inside and kind of attack the goal. And if I think if you watch him, he wants to get in on his left foot every I think single that's time. That's what's gonna
0: happen with the wingers because the full backs are overlapping. Yeah. You know, and, and hopefully once we get like two now we've got like two out and out full backs, Colbeck can help out the midfield, you know, but um, I think it's I think it's getting the balance right and getting the formation right as well. Um, I think we have got enough players, but we we don't really know enough about them. It makes you wonder whether DiCanio does. I mean, the other thing is, like how many of these players is DiCanio actually chosen?
1: Do you think he's pushed through the Desena thing because there's a lot of talk about the fact he's injured, which is contradictory to the way they dealt with the Peruzzi situation? Do you think a lot of that is because he wants callback in midfield? I think we just had to sign a left back after seven years. <laughs> <you know. laughs> but if he's happy with callback there. Did
0: yeah I think we
1: were, we were saying we think you might he call back a possibility for the midfielder again.
0: Yeah. I, th- I think he would do Larson's job in the middle. Mm. I mean, De Senna played like left wing at Liverpool as well, didn't he, but not that he played a great deal, but you yeah. can do both. Is I, sh- I, I think you have both both too. wingers coming in, swapping over. Um but you've got to get like a solid base of the team. And my my main worry is that you know, you could argue that Rose the goalkeeper and Sess um, and Young were our three best players last year and like we haven't got any of them mm. and the defence certainly wasn't good enough last year and I feel if anything it's weaker And but it's too late we just need to kind of draw a line under that because you know we're not going to sign any more players unless they're like loans from Dundee United or something they're not going to improve us um, and I think I think he just needs to get get the players on the training grounds and like drill them and, and start working from from the back because if you're not defending set pieces then you're gonna be giving away goals like every every game and that's been that's been the problem. Once we start playing against the good teams, if we play like we have done for the last three weeks
1: they're gonna destroy us. Well, on the subject of the center, Gareth and I spoke to Neil Atkinson earlier from the Anfield rap. To get the lowdown down on De Senna and on Barini to see what he thought about that we're going to hear from him now and then when we come back we're going to talk more about the transfer policy under the Canyon particularly transfer deadline day. <laughs> We have Neil Atkinson from the Anfield wrap with us now and he's going to talk Barini and he's going to talk the Doss, as he likes to refer to him. The Senna, is that right, Neil? The Senna? He's
4: right, yes, the Doss.
1: <laughs> the Doss. <laughs> I'll, I'll start straight away and see. I was a little bit disturbed by the manner when you tweeted me the other day calling them the DOS and saying I love the DOS, love going in inverted commas it sounds pretty much like a bit of an ironic cult hero and I'm not, I'm not particularly a fan of them uh, we had one called Niren Nosworthy do your worst we'll start off dishonoured Neil fill us in uh,
4: right yes and no um, he's good going forward he's good with the ball he's dreadfully slow on the turn Um, So if he's sitting deep, he's all right. But he likes to get up and down. He's more of a wing back than a full back. Frankly, he's one of those lads who falls between the stool of being a left midfielder and a left and a left back. He's got a lot of the strengths though that you want from an attacking left back. He puts a very good ball in. Um, He loves attacking the back post, uh, and he does so pretty well. There was one game we had against Fulham in the running of the 2008 2009 season where he hit the post about four times (laughs) attacking the back post, and that four times honestly is an exaggeration. He just repeatedly attacked the back post. Uh he's a nuts and bolts sort of player Steve so I like him and it, there's he obviously he's scored the fourth when Liverpool beat Real Madrid 4-0 oh. at home he scored the fourth when we went to Old Trafford uh, a yeah. lovely finish mm-hmm. as well lobbing the keeper from about from about 18 yards um, so you know there's, there's, there's a lot of affection towards him and the one thing I'll say is that he, he puts a stint in the question mark is what happens when someone gets in behind him yeah
1: well it's significant what you're saying there about his attacking capabilities because Ducaneo plays a formation where he likes his fullbacks to attack um, we, we've, we've seen you know, two goals this season come from our fullbacks getting in the box and that's never happened to you for years Gareth has it um, but what really I suppose either. I suppose, what where I would like to go <laughs> with this next was you mentioned the fact he's more of a win, wing-back and that was going to be my next question because when he played in Italy, he was playing as a wing-back in a formation that suited as a wing-back. Now, despite the fact I've said that Canio likes his full-backs to get forward, we essentially play four four across the back. So is that mm-hmm. going to be problematic, you think?
4: And that can be problematic and that's why it ultimately didn't work out for him at Anfield uh, was because he... he, he Benitez also I mean Benitez has gone into Napoli and he's gone he's he's changed 3-5-2 to 4 at the back. Um and he didn't feel as though ultimately the Cena was able to do the business um in a, in a flat 4 at Anfield. He also to be fair to him at Anfield, he also had a Fabio Aurelio as competition who's a Rolls-Royce left back when he was fifth. And Liverpool at that time were bringing through a young lad called Insua. So I think that they might have felt to cut the losses on him and that might be why he left it relatively quickly. Right. But I mean fundamentally he's a good footballer. It isn't, it, you know, he's not a cult, I, I don't like cult heroes really in that, you know, it often tends to be mediocre players get, get, get picked up as, as cult heroes, like people who even, aren't even footballers, yeah. Eric Meyer's a big one at Liverpool, he's not in that class, he's a, he's right. a better footballer.
1: That's encouraging to know because that was, that was where I was worried, that's where, that's where I thought we might have been with the DOS.
4: <laughs> no, he's, he's, a, he's a better footballer than that, he's just not necessarily, a, the biggest concern about him is whether or not he can do it in this league. and that's got to be the biggest concern about him whether or not he can do it in this league and at left back because you come up against a lot of players whose primary function is to be fast Um, not necessarily to be technically good but just to be fast which means he can be exposed and that will be my worry about him as a signing but he has quality and you'll see that quality it's just whether or not he produces enough quality on the ball to excuse what he costs you and he will cost you occasionally off it
1: yeah,
2: who who was playing in front of him when he was playing for Liverpool? He,
4: he had Riera there for a period, and he had um, and Ayun finished the season at left midfield. So wow. between the pair of them, um, those two really he didn't get he didn't never really got a full run of games. The, the, the he plays when it, when uh, Aurelia wasn't fit. As I say, Aurelio was a much better player than him, but Aurelio's fitness was uh, was was very very poor. Um, he, he was such an injury-prone footballer. But I mean, at that time, Aurelio was, as I say, he was he was like having Shabby Alonso, but at left back. Yeah. When he was fully fit, he was just a sumptuous passer of the ball. So he, you know, he didn't have an enormous physical presence either. But he at least was inherently sensible. De Cena, technically, I think he's pretty good. Uh, as I say, I think he's good going forward. There's a massive question mark over over his own sense. In terms of what it is that he's doing on the pitch and what he can do for you going backwards,
1: okay. I never, I
2: never really got the impression that Riera or what was the type of player that you know would offer a lot of cover defensively. Nope. Though I think Jackarini's really hard work up and down the line, where that might help him out a bit. Even though he doesn't have, he doesn't not, have, like cut in the middle of fell <laughs> somebody
1: though when the other teams counter attacking. Yeah,
2: now. he's he's not exactly the the you know not the quickest player, but he works hard and. You know, maybe maybe you'll help him out defensively down there. That's me being. We're clutching optimistic. at any straw we've <laughs> possibly got here,
1: Neil. You've got to understand that. Well,
4: I, I mean, from what you've said to me, Steve, he's better than you know having no left back, <laughs> which is <laughs> the first point of it. Um, Six years, I think that's been no left back. <laughs> um, so you know, he's he's better than having no one. I just, I, I I'd be. I mean the fact that I wonder if if uh, if the might be considering going to a three. I don't know about that. I don't know enough about mm, the I, 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 really so. I don't think so. I don't think so. Going to go in that sort of no. direction. But it's, um, um,
1: it's 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 more likely to be the four. Like I say, the, the only concern we have is, is getting caught in the counter attack. But I'm you know I'm I'm sure they're looking at these things. We're we, we're going to discuss this amongst ourselves later about the role for Jack Colback on the side because it suggests he might move into a, a midfield role. But anyway, but um, we'll get on to Barini now, Neil. Now. I don't think Barini is is earmarked to come and be the first choice centre forward when Fletcher and Altadar are fit. What's interesting to me, uh, and I said this to you the other day, was is that Altadar likes to play You know the typical big man up front. He doesn't play with his back-to-goal loads, but he does like holding it up, but he does like the face goal. But essentially, he's going to be looking for his partner to find space in the box. When he also... When I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to imagine he's going to play up front with Stephen Fletcher on the occasion now he's kind of the polar opposite Stephen Fletcher can't hold the ball up but essentially he's going to be the one looking for space in the box which means Barini's job will be more likely to be the one to try and provide him which of those roles would suit him better? Is he adaptable? What's your overall opinion on him?
4: Um, he's very much, sounds to me there like he's cover for Stephen Fletcher
1: right.
4: um, Barini's movement is excellent um, he's got great, great movements. The one thing he hasn't got is any significant physical characteristic. He is not, and this is why I think he's been sent out on loan, he's not lightning quick. So he often makes runs to get in behind, which if you put him in, there's no guarantee you get through on goal. Mm-hmm. Um, but the runs themselves are sumptuous. He was he, Some of the movements he was doing off the ball at times when he played for us last season, you, you get frustrated because players wouldn't be picking it up because they weren't used to him. He's such a throwback as a footballer. I really hope he goes to Sunderland. I hope he's a success there because I think if he is, I think it's good for Liverpool. It's obviously good for Sunderland as well. But he's the sort of footballer who, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, people would have been salivating to have in their team. But now we are so much more of whoever we put up front that simply getting on the end of things and looking to make that sort of that that sort of move where you know you see the when you see the body going, and the knees going, and the shoulders going, and it's all in line. And the through ball comes to He's that player.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: But, but he's, he's, fin- he's, fin- is, uh, he's
1: finishing because um, in Stephen Fletcher, we've got pretty much the best in the business uh, on that
4: front. Well, I think he's. I think he's a good finisher. Before he had his first injury last season, he got two bad injuries last season. That the second one's really, really interesting. I say, but the, fir- the fir- before he got the first one, he um, he was unfortunate not to get off the mark for Liverpool. He had a lot of good. Well, he, I think well in the league, he had a lot of good percentage strikes on goal. But he's not. They weren't great finishes, they were just good percentage efforts, if you see what I mean. The stuff that if it goes in, you say he's done the right thing. If it doesn't, you wonder if he could have done a bit more with it. Um, he's got a decent scoring record everywhere he's been, apart from Liverpool. The second injury is interesting because the second injury he did, when I think Liverpool were 2-0, 3 and up in a game, um, and he'd come off the bench and he heard across to close someone down because he was trying to Demonstrate that he can put himself about and all this sort of stuff, and he damaged his shoulder quite badly yeah. when he was doing this because I think he felt he had to show something to the crowd. You know, one of those very, very English <laughs> sort of, very sort of a foreign player coming to come to get stuck
1: in at him, yeah.
4: And he damaged his shoulder. I think he's a really interesting move going there because the other thing he can do as well, and he did well for us uh, in the second half of the season, is he can play wide, and he doesn't offer you a lot of what you necessarily want from a classical wide player. But what he offers you is a lot of hard work and again excellent movement coming off the flank to look to see if someone can just, just slip him in yeah. but he's he's basically I mean he's 21 I think 21-22 and we saw him playing in Melbourne this year and he, and, uh, he tried to play uh, Rogers tried to play him up front as a lone forward and he just couldn't couldn't get going whatsoever I couldn't get in the game properly whether or not he can lead the line as a one I don't think he can whether or not he's better off coming off wide areas but it could also be that it's just a matter of fitness and strength and timing for him what a comparison that one of the lads made said you know he's not Ian Rush but what would Ian Rush do now if he was a centre forward and he was 21 mm-hmm. where would he look to be a player now you know there's only one Ian Rush obviously you yeah. know Ian Rush scores 300 goals but He's got some of those qualities of that sort of centre forward who used to do very well for himself in the 1980s and 1990s.
1: Right, uh, I suppose th- that was going to be my next point about him playing out wide. So it does sound as if Gareth is going to he's going to have a part here certainly because if, if if as Neil says, he sounds like he could be covered for Stephen Fletcher who isn't always fit does not always mm. he looks quite fatigued after 70 minutes often when he starts even fletcher but also as an alternative to Johnson jaccarini who are kind of you know traditional wingers if you like yeah. he sounds like an alternative then on the wide position as well if if say, fletcher out the runs are getting you know getting mar- er, watched by the defenders they aren't getting mm. in somebody coming in from wide getting played in from wide who it's can finish
2: especially if you if you're trailing in a game and you want to make a an attack and substitution, that's a bit different, but if you want to still keep that shape, the width, he, he might be something, if, if, if that's what he can do, he might be something you can look at without having to think, oh, I'm just going to chuck a load of forwards on and play it, just lump the ball in the box. You might be able to retain that shape, and then him offers something a bit different when the opportunity arises, if he can get, get slipped in you behind You've got three
1: forward players making your runs. There. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Neil, you've paid well for two of our finest players in recent years. Um, while you're enjoying the watch, watch you pull on a <laughs> Liverpool shirt, you can be rest assured we've wasted all that money on not a lot.
4: One, um, <laughs> one other thing on uh, Brini, very quickly before before right. we go is um, supposedly yesterday morning the president of Lazio said that he made an inquiry for Brini, um to buy, and Liverpool said they'd rather loan him. It, I don't think this isn't one of those loans that happens where in Liverpool are loaning them. I think in order to see if they can get a better transfer fee next summer, I think this is one of those loans where in Liverpool will be k- keeping a watching brief on the player. The manager's, he was the manager's first sign. He spent £11 million on him last summer. I don't think he'll have given up on him just yet. I think that we'll be wanting him to get games. So it strikes me as interesting that you're saying you don't see him as a starter.
1: Right. Good stuff. Um, as I was saying, Neil, you've paid well for two of someone's finest players over the last few years. While you're watching them play for Liverpool, you can be rest assured Sullivan have wasted that money. Can you tell us a little bit about how uh, Miggin is doing this season for you? We can see the obvious he's kept clean, uh, three clean sheets, you see, after penalty. Is he, is he better, the, better than you hoped?
4: He was a bag of nails first home game. Yeah. He was an yeah. absolute. Yeah. He came for a couple of things and flapped, um, yeah. and then he made one cracking save just before half time, and he, he visibly settled, and yeah. then he went on to make the penalty save. And from that point onwards, uh, th- he still isn't coming for things as much as I would have thought. Mm. Which may well be, you know, instruction from the manager or something. But last the last onwards. season
1: was the first season he really he, he improved at his game here, though, wasn't it, Gareth? He, yeah. he, before that, he was nowhere near. Last season, he wasn't great, but it was a significant improvement on the <coughs> season before. It's
2: not really his strength, but
1: I've noticed distribution as well. I've not, I watched the Man United game yeah. and mm-hmm. he. Reyna would be um, expected to distribute the ball a lot faster and closer than Mignola was
4: yeah no I think that was quite interesting the Man United game because I don't, I don't think Liverpool's counter-attacking movement has quite reached what it was at times last season yet and I think there's a couple of reasons for that I think Liverpool have decided to adopt a specific shell so to be fair to the goalkeeper, he's looking up and he hasn't got, you know, he's, he's not looking at sort of four or five options, which at times Reina was last season. It, it's storage who wasn't fully fit. Or, I mean, towards the back end of that game against Man United, Raheem Sterling, who's five foot four. So I, th- I, th- I think at times it's been a little bit tough for him because Liverpool aren't necessarily playing that sort of game. He's obviously not in Reina's class for distribution, but... Some of the saves he's made have been absolutely fantastic, yeah. and he 's now got a real swagger about him. and he was he uh, he got a terrific ovation from the traveling Liverpool supporters after Aston Villa as well, which he clearly enjoyed
2: he'll Mignolet will win your games he's a he's a game winning goalkeeper without a doubt um i think he's, as, it's a, he's a, some of the saves he makes are as important as a goal, like every two or three games he'd just make a save of the season and then he'd top it three games later and for me, he was the best goalkeeper in the league last season by country mile. But the
4: double save save against Stoke kept us two, you know, gave us two points. Yeah. Um, the, the penalty save itself was good. What he got up and did on the rebound was phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Um, the, the speed with which he got yeah. at the lad and that that was worth two points to Liverpool. Um, Absolutely, you know. Well, he made, a, he made a very good save against Villa the other thing that I've noticed which you lads are probably you know, very used to is he gets he doesn't just save it it stays saved yeah. it goes a significant distance even mm-hmm. stuff that's a bit one of the mill that he'd maybe have to tip away he's pushing it out for throw-ins not even for corners but throw-ins he's getting that much distance on on, on, on what he saves uh, it's very impressive
1: yeah and quickly Neil um, John Hansen can count himself extremely unlucky not to be involved with England at the moment can Oh
4: absolutely. oh I absolutely mean, he's been um, he's He's become vital to Liverpool, really. Uh, towards the back in the last season, Liverpool. I mean, to, in the last two thirds of last season, a friend of mine, Mike Nevin, who does our show, the Anfield Raps. Yeah. You know, at the end of the season, he said he pointed out that Liverpool's worst five results, once Rodgers had properly got his feet under the table, came in games where he inexplicably chose not to start Henderson. Um, and you know, Liverpool. The other thing to point out is that Henderson played a great deal in the second half of last season. Liverpool have only lost three league games this year. Um, one at Man United, Henderson didn't start. One at Southampton, um, Henderson didn't start, and one at home against West Brom, which Henderson did start. But so did John Joe Shelby, and he was absolutely dreadful. Um, and, but it was an old style smash and grab. The one against West Brom, uh, which happens from time to time, but the other two were just poor all poor performances from Liverpool, certainly for 60 minutes uh, at Old Trafford, and they missed Jordan Henderson hugely. He's very unlucky not to be involved in any one setup.
1: So we can't have him back then. Sorry? We can't have him back then? You can't have him back, now. <laughs> Just before I let you go, Neil, you mentioned Ian Rush a lot earlier there. Can you tell us what does Ian Rush drink? <laughs>
4: <laughs> I love a pint of milk. <laughs>
1: <laughs> OK, Neil Atkinson from the Anfield Rap. Thanks for your time, Neil. Thanks for Speak you for soon, you. mate. See you. Bye. Interesting points from Neil, Kristen. Your thoughts on Borini as a player? I think he's a very good one. Um, He's been really
3: unlucky with injuries last year, which obviously inhibited him. He only, I think, he only got one Premier League goal last season. It was at Newcastle, so there's a a nice introduction (laughs) to him. Everyone scored. Everyone
2: scored there at the back end of last season. (laughs) They were racking them up.
3: (laughs) But uh, again, yeah, I think he's going to want to drop off. He's going to want to pull out wide to the right and he's a different kind of striker to the ones that are perhaps present already um, and he's got a bit of a point to prove there's a World Cup coming up he's maybe on the fringes of the Italian squad and a player with a point to prove is and always the uh, kind do you of think designer.
1: as Neil said that you could say him playing out wide is that a possibility yeah
3: definitely he'll, he'll pull out wide no problem and play on the, the right of a front three if I mean, Di Canio wants to divert what about him.
1: in a four four two? could he play could he go out wide then
3: I would be a little bit unsure of putting him in a a right wing role in a four four two. I think if you put him up front he'll drift. Um but as a as an out and out winger I think he's not quite there yet.
1: Yep. Um interesting regarding the dissenting thing we've already touched on the on the callback point. Um what do we think just to get back to Barini again, do you think it's an interesting point Martin that a lot a lot of people are were sceptical about it. But he cost Liverpool ten point five million pounds last year. He was in the Italy squad for the European Championships if that was someone signing him last season people would be overjoyed with it wouldn't they
0: no no definitely i think i think he's got a good football and pedigree and and i think he'll be i think he'll be good backup for for fletcher you know and um i think like going forward we've got like we've got lots of options um we obviously don't know enough about the, some of the players so far because cause it's early days in the season you know um and when you get like 40 new players in it can be quite confusing for everyone especially my dad who can't seem to pronounce (laughs) anyone's name
1: (laughs) (laughs) talking about the transfer deadline again then Stefan Sessignon how bit of a good bit of business was Stefan Sessignon (laughs) going to West Brom
0: well we I suppose we you could look at it and say we got what we paid for him and we got like a couple of years out of him and he was he was a great player annoying and lazy so when he was good he was good and 70% of the time he wasn't really doing a great deal um, but I still think it's a quality player that we've let go, and I don't like. In you know, De Canio did publicly state ten days ago that he didn't want to sell him. He definitely didn't want to sell him, and I don't know whether it's the a Premier
1: League team he was going to be aiming for around the same places. Yeah, as well? playing
0: against us in two weeks' time. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's it's a funny one. I don't know if it's to do with the drunk driving thing, you know. But if we sold every player that got arrested by the police. You know, we wouldn't have many players left.
1: Do you think that's significant the the drunk driving thing? Because, well, because, but you made an example of Bardley, so you know pe- people could see it just because it's on you, you you can't can let get the get freedom away of the
2: city if you get caught of that. <laughs> but um, <laughs> anyway, Daniel right. wasn't around there. <laughs> 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 yeah, um, I don't know. I think he was probably trying. It was. I think the right was on the wall for Sessyon at the start. Once he, you know, proved how. Disinterested he was. I mean, the contrast between him in pre-season, yeah. where he looked as good as he ever has, and then start the season, how disinterested disinter- he was in that one and a half games he played. I think the writing was on the wall, and I think Decanio just saying he didn't want to sell him was just trying to drive the price up. To be honest, I think yeah, he was trying to get I the best so. deal he could. But I it was they played so it was seven, didn't I think they paid seven million for him West Brom. And the, how much did they pay for twenty nine? Twenty nine year old as well. How much did they pay for an each of me? Did the is he on loan or did they buy him?
3: think it was five six, or no? six,
2: Fa- six. So they've spent, mm. they've spent 12 million, 11 million pounds on two players who score about eight goals a season Very between them.
3: Consistent players. Mm. Yeah.
2: I mean that's a that's a. Ma- I mean people talking about our transfer business. That's a massive gamble. That mm. is, that those two moves, and you know you don't know how they they've got a lot of forwards. They've got Long there. They've got um, Analga, Um. So uh, Sinclair, how are they going to fit all them in? So. You know, he I'm I obviously I'm talking about West Brom here, but you know, maybe <laughs> I'll podcast. <coughs> yeah. But, <laughs> but maybe I'll but you know, it, it's just all relevant, isn't it? it it's you know, cool we've I just think we've, we've we've spent all of our money four years ago, in hmm. my opinion. Um we spent a lot of money when Keane was here, spent a lot of money when Bruce was here, and I'm not talking about transfer fees with Bruce, it will have been wages, sign on fees, stuff like that. Now, Ellis Shaw gambled. Then he, he he gave he backed his managers. He gave them the money, and they didn't they didn't deliver. Um, and now we're in a situation where we're trying to claw claw it back, trying to sell the players that have failed us, to, and trying to balance the books because the financial fair players come in, and we're going to be we we're, we're going to be in trouble. I mean, Southampton spent a lot of money, but their wage bill would have been nothing like ours. So they're in a, they've got a, a great differential to work within. Um, so I think a few people are a bit sort of well, why didn't we spend? Why you know Sigurdson a lot of talk about that? Why didn't we just splash eight, nine, ten million on Sigurdson? Well, you do. It's, it's like if you haven't got enough money in your bank account, then you can't you can't do it.
0: If you if you added all up, we actually didn't spend any money this summer.
2: Yeah, yeah, you know. but there's a reason why, isn't there? I mean,
1: are we going to have this sitting on money for January? Do you think?
2: But I don't know if it works like that. Though. I mean, when does the the financial fair play differential, as I understand it, it'll it'll be so the t- the it goes up four million every year. Is that correct? So mm. you've got four million pounds more to work with mm. every year. So if you've got thirty-eight million quid and the cap's fifty-two, and then you've got four, well, that's what you know, 16 18 million whatever you've got to spend. If we're already at fifty-two, then I don't, and then we're into like fifty-four territory. We're not going to be able to go and spend that money again in January, are we? Because the money's still not there. So I don't know if you've got to wait until the uh, till till the start of the next season before the financial fair play resets itself, so to speak. I'm not I'm not an expert on financial fair play, that's a basic the basics that I understand it.
0: I don't think anybody fully understands it. and I think a lot of clubs, uh, PR people, are using it as an excuse for think? for for people not spending money. I mean, if you look at the amount of money that like. Southampton and Cardiff and like pretty much everyone spent this summer, you know. But
2: their wages, that's what I'm saying, will be a lot lower, so they'll have a, they'll have more to work with. Mm. So they'll have you know plenty in the in the bank basically, where you know. With well, the TV money then. differential as well, that you've but got to factor in. You gamb- they, but this team's gambling though, mm. because I think that from UEFA, there's been a lot of it's been a bit funny, hasn't it? Like kind of people have asked, so what's the punishment for breaching the financial fair play rules? And it's all yeah. a bit like um. I get back here. So <laughs> if it, if, it, yeah, if that's exactly. the case, and you know, I think Sunderland, Newcastle, actually, well, I don't know if Newcastle's ultra cautiousness is intentional mm. or stupid. But, but, they've, but hung I think
0: on, they've hung on to the key players, though, haven't they? Mm. You know, they haven't they haven't brought anyone in. or, or certainly didn't on deadline day. Mm. I try to ignore them, but <laughs> but like I I, I I don't think they've sold any of the the best players. Mm. Which obviously, if you look at our team, that's that's not the case. Mm. Fletcher's obviously the key player you yep. know to have back and everything but you know um I, I i do feel that we're sort of weaker in defense and weaker in goal than we what we were last year and fourth bottom is pretty close to the edge
1: that's another point about the crystal palace game i think we were all kind of um thrown our weight behind kieran westwood's inclusion a lot of people saying you know they're on similar levels this season has highlighted a little bit the difference in class between the two goalkeepers, hasn't it? How Westwood started the season.
0: I think when you've had like a quality player, you kind of just start taking that. It's like the yeah. standard, you know, like a beautiful girlfriend or a nice car. And then all of a sudden, when you when you get one that's not as good, you realise it's pretty crap. <laughs> <laughs> not that he's pretty crap; he's international and everything, but he's just he's just not as good as what we had.
1: And he doesn't exactly um, fill you with confidence as no, he's. Well, I mean, how
0: many? W- how many games did he play for Arsenal in seven years 21 or something like that you know,
2: and so. he didn't exactly cover himself in glory against M.K. Dons he? especially just, with that first goal he's
0: just back up isn't he hmm. but
1: I but think I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not claiming all the ins and outs of the finances I just think Ellis Short always seems to back his manager in the transfer window and I wouldn't be surprised if he had something there for De Cano if that so. was part of if De Cano was reluctant to let Setting you on go in the first place if he had something there for him, but we don't know. We've got to remember as well. An interesting point on key is that they have. Do they have a, a clause where they can recall recall him in January? Mm. So
0: will he be available for the cup? Do That's you a little think? bit worrying, yeah. isn't I it? I mean, the Swansea fan that we spoke to, who wrote a feature for the next next ALS, said that they kind of bought him as a an attacking goal scorer and midfielder, which is what he was at Celtic, and he you know he scored quite a few goals from set pieces. He didn't score at all for Swansea last year.
3: <laughs> what? So that was a stunned silence Touching <laughs> on, the, um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> on the key as well I know we've, we've gone back in a bit of a circle and back to key, Kristen one thing Takanyo said he wanted was physical presence a lot of people have assumed he doesn't have it I think I don't know if people are just stereotyping the fact that he's he's uh, Korean <laughs> and these aren't the biggest guys but yeah. from all accounts he's played centre-half for Swansea so he must be carrying a little bit of physical presence a little bit. He, he just doesn't put much of a tackle in. I think is
3: the nicest way I can put it. I mean, again, he, that I think you don't need that to dominate a game. He, I, I remember watching him Celtic Rangers, and that's probably the most passionate affair you can can put yourself in front of. After Newcastle Sunland, of course. <laughs> remembers where he is <laughs> <laughs> um, and he, he absolutely ran the game from start to finish and I think any player that has the potential to do that can run a Premier League game and just because he perhaps doesn't operate on the same mandate as, as Lee all about you know how quick can I get my shorts dirty, I still think he can have a significant effect um, it's just about how the team plays with him, if they want him like the rest of them to put a tackle and he's not going to do that but if you try and pass it round the opposition then there the might be some success in there the,
2: what i've seen of key very brief is he seems to uh, say see, i describe as passing as almost mathematical it's yeah. like it's it's almost like you're watching like a, a computer game or something like that it's mm-hmm. like it's very sort of measured and the angles and everything yeah. like that it's it's not simple passing it's, it's complicated passing um, and if you if you can get him he seems to work quite nicely in tight areas as well and he's mm-hmm. always 10 yards from the ball mm-hmm. always moving with the ball yeah, I think
0: ball retentions he's, he's yeah he's, he's like major strength you know and that's interesting a, because be touched the on, we
1: touched on the fact that call keeps the ball as well mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised to see those two no. might not be, especially if, might not seeing, be if we're saying if we're saying if we're saying the center gonna bomb forward as well you are gonna need somebody to cut that counter-attack out and if Colback's playing on the left side in mm. the centre, you know what I mean. You have Jackarini and you have Colback both covering for him there. That could well be an option. But
2: call, could say could do Larson's job, no problem whatsoever. Yeah. Um, he offers, a, I mean, Larson does a lot of the dirty work. Like he, he really like. If you look at, you know, when we got broken on from that set piece against Palace, mm. and they could have been cleaned through. Mm. Um, it was Larson who was the last man back. Larson's the one who does all the horrible stuff that managers love and fans don't recognise I think and I think Korbach's that type of player but I think given the opportunity he could do his job
0: Yeah I, th- I think we'll see a completely different central midfield you know I think he's he's kind of made his point that it was too weak mm. now by playing those players Exactly. Could the Cabral
1: thing be down to that making a statement? Because Martin O'Neill made a statement by not putting, not filling the bench. And, and it's one of the he, things he that was built out. He was out.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's so one of the things that lost him the job as well. Yeah. As buying Danny Graham, which, um, <laughs> allegedly. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's interesting you talk about Key as well. And more particularly, Barini having a point to prove. Key has an even bigger one because he's a huge star in in South Korea, like a big. I wouldn't say Beckham but he's in all the adverts and all this kind of stuff and yet he's on the bench for Korea at the minute and he's desperate to get back in there and that's why they believe this move's come about was because Laudrup couldn't guarantee him the time and he wanted the playing time and again for Korea World Cups are huge they they really want to try and prove that they are an emerging nation on an international level and especially for him at the age he's at now so again you're going to get a player much like Barini who really wants to show what he can do so I guess there are a lot of positives to take from it even if he's not going to put in sliding tackles every week.
1: Everybody loves a player with a point to prove. On that (laughs) note we don't have predictions this week so I'd like to thank all my guests for coming in Uh, time's flown over again We'll be back next week with a preview of the Arsenal game. Uh, hopefully, some more material. Something's bound to happen in between now and then. Yeah, There'll be some it. kind of meltdown on Twitter. Yeah. We can we can guarantee that. Interested
2: we'll um, to see if like the will just see all the players he signed aren't good enough, or something? you'll yeah. come out and just you know pick all the old ones.
1: Pick the youth team, right? Okay. Thanks to everybody for listening to the Wiseman Here podcast. Over and out. <laughs>